Welcome to the Tesla Motors Club podcast. My name is Seb. I'm Doug. And I'm Lewis. On today's episode, Tesla acquires a wireless charging company, rumors about the Model 3 refresh, and Tesla AI gets its own Twitter account. Episode 44 starts now. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Lewis. I think it's been a couple of versions of FSD since I've last seen you. But first of all, Doug, happy birthday. Oh, no. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank that you. hat is fantastic. So I, love it. <laughs> I was looking for a party hat, like something more subtle, but that, that was all I could find, this big one. Uh-huh. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to see you guys. We got a small group today. Mike's out. Um, but I think we got some some true experts here on a couple of the topics that we wanted to talk about today. So why don't we jump right in and talk about the acquisition that Tesla is planning to buy a, a German wireless charging company out of Freiburg. And uh, I'd love to pick your brain on what that really means for the future of Tesla owners and the future of wireless charging. So Lewis, I think you did a little bit of research on the whole subject, didn't you? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, so I certainly have a lot of historical knowledge uh, about wireless charging in general and just power and stuff with my background. But um, I, at first, uh, I have to say, at first, I thought this kind of was a dumb idea. Um, just uh, when you look at, you know, wireless charging systems in the past, similar to how your phone works and, you know, the wireless charging pads and all other types of things. Um the efficiency loss and other types of problems just don't really sound like they make much sense in scaling up. Um, but reading the, some of the details around this company's technology, um, their claims, and I big asterisks there, their claims, because I haven't haven't seen any white papers, I haven't seen any you know concrete data on it. Um, it sounds like it actually might not be that bad hmm. um, for what they're doing. So. So what, uh, what do they, do they claim something better than 90% or what? Uh, so they, they claim a top at, uh, efficiency rating of 93%, mm-hmm. which is way better than I would have expected, right? Like traditionally wireless charging, you're looking at like 60%, uh, maybe 80s on the high end. Um, but they're, they're claiming 93% on the high end, uh, which is like, okay, but what's your realistic, what's your real world? And for that, they're claiming 91%. So only a 2% difference hmm. between their peak optimal and what they have. So 91% is pretty good. Uh, it's not, you know, it's still not as good as plugging in, in my book. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, the the question with that always is, I mean, why do you do wireless charging? Only if it adds some convenience, right? If there's, there's some reason uh, that plugging in is a pain in the butt. Um, I've always thought, I mean, when it was discussed, you know, over a decade ago and everybody wanted wireless charging because, oh, we're going to forget to plug it in. Uh, I always thought if you're going to, if you're going to go through the trouble of wireless charging, uh, just have like some contacts below the car or something. And cause, uh, you know, conductive is obviously, uh, so much more efficient. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could have a robot that would plug in the car. It doesn't need to be that that snake robot, you know, probably you could do something with three, three joints would be able to align properly. Or you could even have, you know, if the car is coming in, you could just have some kind of port cover that opens and some prongs that come up and and charge the car from below. Um, 
because with wireless charging, you you still need to be fairly precise about where you're parking uh, for maximum efficiency. And I've seen some designs years ago where the uh, where the coils would move to try to be more efficient, and maybe even the pad would extend upward because uh, you know you're going to have. Uh, I guess actually, it's a, I don't know if it's. It's probably uh, you know one of our R squared kind of uh, fall off sort of thing. Yeah. So if you can uh, you know have the charging pad either from the car extend down or from the floor extend up uh, to make a closer proximity for that that charging that can increase your efficiency. But you're already going through the trouble of that. Why not just uh, have you know some contacts that you know brush or something? Yeah. So to get to some of the specifics, so what the company claims is. For their uh, and we'll I'll primarily talk about their uh, twelve kilowatt system because they have other charging systems. But if you're looking at like home charging for your car, twelve kilowatts going to line up with you know um, your level two charger you get today. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the distance of the pad to the uh, to the from the center to the receiver uh, is uh, basically it has to be between one point five and four centimeters. So that's the the like air gap distance between them of like how high your car could be over it. So when you're talking about that's a pretty narrow margin. Um, so if you're thinking about like, you know, if your car has air suspension or if you have a lift kit versus raise and lowering, like you're going to have to make sure that that's <laughs> situated correctly. Um, and then on top of it, there's a, uh, a plus or minus seven centimeter distance for, from being oriented correctly. And if you're not within that seven centimeter in either direction, um, you're not going to have very good efficiency. Um, so then, so then you start getting into like, oh, when I pull into the, my spot or whatever, I got to get pretty, pretty accurate with that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure that Tesla, even buying this company, like I don't expect it to be something they're really planning for people to have at home. Um, or even probably at superchargers anytime. Well, soon. yeah, I mean, at home is the only place where it makes sense because, uh, you know, okay, you talk about the loss. Wait, say say it's ninety one percent at twelve kilo at te- at twelve kilowatts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're losing, you know, a little more than a a kilowatt of, of energy right. is going to the air, or heat, or whatever, right? Uh, if you're supercharging, right? And supercharging rates are what, you know, on the order of uh, 100, 100, 200, 250 kilowatts. You don't want to be losing like 25 kilowatts, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. That's a sure. ton of power going where. Um, and you know, they don't even have a system that can go above 12. 12 is literally their highest volt or kilowatt system they have as a company that they've developed technology for. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose it might be nice for people, you know, you might worry about the cat, uh, if <laughs> the cat wants to go into the car or something, um, you know, with that buzzing through the cat. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, invest in the robot, make a, make a little robot. <laughs> so par- part of me feels like this is really a push for the robo taxi thing, right? I think they're, hmm. they're kind of looking at it as, yeah, if you have a, a robo taxi, you have the system, the software driving it, positioning the car, even if it has to like readjust or whatever to get a perfect position, mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. And it likely can be more accurate than a person. I certainly wouldn't claim that I could nail that exact position every time driving, mm-hmm. right? You're going to, 
Um, you're going to miss it here and there. So I feel like Robo they're, they're prepping for RoboTaxi, which is why they did this purchase. Um, um, yeah. But, okay. That could be it still. It's a slow rate. Uh, at 12 sure. kilowatts, you're talking, you know, for like a full charge. What? Uh, at least a couple Overnight. hours. Yeah. Not, not necessarily overnight. I think you could probably do it in, uh, well, we can figure it out. How big is the battery? Let's say the battery is 90 or something, right? Okay, so that's eight hours or so. So yeah, overnight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, is there some, well, you, there's you some other technology? Mind, there's, there's, there's other losses too, though, right? So like it's, so it's probably worse than that, just, you know, even just doing uh, napkin math because mm -hmm. technically what a lot of folks don't realize is they're losing... Um, a certain percentage off the top of their charging at home just because it's got to do the battery temperature, climate control, all those types of things. The numbers I've the, usually seen is like 300 watts or so. Yeah, um, there's a, there's an ACDC conversion as well. Exactly. The ACDC converter has a loss. Hmm. So um, yeah, so you're not getting, so even if this was 91%, you're still not getting 91%. You're getting less than that. So yeah, well, order of magnitude. Uh, it's still, yeah, it's like an overnight charge for a full charge. Um, so yeah, I'm, is there some other technology that this company has that Tesla might be interested in, uh, that, you know, some um, other reason besides they wireless have, vehicle charging. So they have battery systems, which, um, they definitely have, they have like some different power storage options. I can't imagine their battery systems are as advanced as what Tesla has in house already. It's possible they might have something unique there that I haven't seen information about. Um, they're doing uh, they have they do have like lithium iron phosphate type batteries. Tesla already has that. Um, they were doing some other uh, titanate batteries, lithium titanate batteries. Um, so maybe that could have been a play for it. Um, but most of their offerings are really around uh, wireless charging systems and autonomous charging systems for like robot, you know, uh, self-driving type things like pulling in or like factory forklifts, things like that. Um, you know, driving over pads. Oh, so maybe Optimus, huh? It, it is. If you, yes. It's very possible that this is an Optimus. But uh, you would think Optimus would be able to grab a charger and mm. plug it in. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Um, and, and I do think it's interesting that they like their, their latest kind of product was really around going up to a 12 kilowatt, our charge, which kind of aligns with the Tesla home charger. So it's kind of right. like, uh, probably going for the home charger play, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It time wise, right? Like, I feel like it's going to take a while. Um, you know, it's, it's like when you buy a company, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, integrating things, you leveraging their technologies. So uh, I think there, we have some time before we actually hear of anything real coming out of this. Um, but I don't yeah. know. I, I'm kind of with you, Doug. I'd probably go for, you know, I'd want an automated like conic thing. You know what happened to the snake? Remember the snake? Can we go yeah. back to that? Like what? <laughs> well, I, I think the snake was some grad school project of somebody <laughs> that then went to go work at Tesla and uh, and they tried to, you know, they just acted like, ooh, here's this cool thing we're working on. Um, there's a uh, a comment from uh, Electrified Light Vehicles, and he said. The affluent folks will shell out 10 to 20 K for an installation in their garage, I suppose. And I, yeah, he's right about that. Uh, it could just be a product an option, but, um, Tesla, you know, Tesla tends not to like custom hardware. 
like low volume products. Yeah. So, I mean, cause if it were just a thing in the garage, but the fact that you would need something under the car that mm -hmm. would also have to wire into, uh, wire into the batteries. Yeah. That's, that's interesting though. Uh, cause what, what is needed, uh, on the other side of the coil, it, do you have any, like, uh, do you know what frequency it's, it's, I don't know what frequency or? specifically theirs is transmitting at. Um, yeah, I mean, it's basically two coils, right? They've got mm -hmm. two on each one on each side mm -hmm. and they're just, their coils are wrapped in the winding so that they have a, you know, they're basically going to yeah, so oscillating the frequency. They're oscillating. It, it's, oscillating similar, it's, field. it's similar to, you know, what like power transformers do, right? The, the difference is large power transformers. They're running at efficiencies of like 99%. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, if you look at like the U.S. power grid, for example, across the board, the U.S. Mm -hmm. power grid loses about 5% of all power generation. Right. Well, their, their efficiency is because they're doing very high voltage. Uh, Correct. So, the, so they don't have as much. Um, and you know, they're very um, small air gaps and they're able to be, you know, insulated and controlled. You wouldn't want that type of magnetic field in your garage, right? It's going right. to interfere with other things. Right. Um, but, so they're limited um, in what they can do. Well, I'm just thinking because even those those high voltage things they're running at 60 hertz, you know, maybe three phase. They're still 60 hertz. So I'm just wondering what needs to be between the coil on the car and the hardware that's already there. Like, will they get, you know, if they're running at 60 hertz, can they get a? And it will be AC. Can you just take that 60 hertz AC signal and put it into their, into the the, the charger that actually is on the car that does the. Uh, AC so to DC conversion. I, I I definitely saw some hints that they might do that where instead of it being like a special thing that like you have under your car all the time or like a special thing under your car that's wiring into the battery somehow is mm -hmm. that it might literally just be it's a going into going the, to the port, charger into the normal charge port and it just connects to a plate, which would well, look kind of stupid, no, but it would be, you know, be way cheesy. So I can't imagine Elon going for that. Um, but there was yeah. definitely, I, I think that they did that for like early experimentation, right? Mm -hmm. They definitely looked at how could we, you know, wire that in. Hmm. Well, you guys make good points. You know, initially I was asking myself, where are we going to see this product? And it's not going to be at the grocery store. It's too slow. There's no ROI. It's not good for level three charging. So I think, Lewis, you make a good point. This is probably laying the foundation for the robo taxis, right? When you have a big fleet that's just pulling into a warehouse and it can charge overnight, um, we should probably give a uh, a quick shout out or update on Rivian now also going all in on the NACS standard, right? So who's who's left now? I guess Lucid's not adopted it, and Doug, you mentioned there's been some some <laughs> comment from the CEO. Well, yeah, I assume Lucid is is sour grapes. Uh, you know, Lucid the the guy Peter Rollison is his name, uh, and I remember him. He, he had a couple neat videos showing how the, the chassis of the Model S, and this was shortly before uh, Model S production, and then he was let go like at a critical time. And you see this often with Tesla, actually. A, a major uh, executive is let go at a critical time in the company, and you just have to wonder you know, what's going on there. But uh, yeah, he's now the CEO of Lucid. Lucid, you know, they, they feel kind of on the edge to me as a company. Uh, you know, they need to get their volume up. They have a very expensive vehicle. Uh, it's nice. It's like they thought of everything. Uh, but, um, you know, they're competing with, you know, Tesla that sells 
you know, an as nice car, not as nice interior wise and thoughtfulness in terms of the features, but certainly more reliable software say, and, uh, and certainly a, a, a better prospect for longevity as a company. And, you know, their car is so much more expensive. I, I think it's going to be hard for them to compete. And so them not, I, I would think NACS would be win-win for them, uh, you know, since they don't begin to have the resources to start investing in something like Rivian's adventure network. Um, but it just feels like sour grapes. He said something like, uh, well, they, they do it if the, if the Tesla standard could support a thousand volts or something like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, come on. Uh, <laughs> what are you expecting? Like what, what um, infrastructure is there that it does that now? And you're, are you, you're going to wait to trans, you know, come on. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's weird. Or I was just gonna say, I think it's weird that I agree with you. The whole it's, it's, it seems more personal than practical. And like, I looked, you know, I looked at lucids when I bought my plaid, I was like considering like, do I get a lucid air? It's a similar price point. It, the air is a little bit more. Um, and it has some nice features, but it's like one, I think the car is just uglier. I don't think it looks as nice as, as a Tesla Two for the price, the performance isn't there. Um, maybe the quarter million dollar one can compete with the plaid maybe, but you know, it's a hundred K difference in price. Um, and yeah, it has all like the massage seats and the, you know, the nicer, um, interior, but it's also got a lot of trappings similar to older cars, right? Mm -hmm. Like classic cars has got more buttons and knobs and things, and it looks busier and it's not, you know, I just aesthetically, they don't look nice. Um, but yeah, they already have price issues. The NACS from our last show, right? Or we talked about it last time. We, yeah, it's cheaper, right? It's come out and said it would be cheaper to manufacture the cars and it would open up and it would incentivize people to buy them. So it's, it's kind of like a no brainer. They should do it. But at this point they're just holding out. I think they'll, I think they'll eventually give in. I, I don't, I think they're going to have market pressure. They won't have a choice, but yeah, it, it's a gift for a small company, right? It's a gift, right? to be able to use that, that connector and that, that infrastructure that Tesla has, uh, has provided. So, uh, you're, you're nuts if you're not going to do it. If you're, if you're Ford or GM and you know, you got, I don't know, money sloshes around <laughs> wherever. I mean, obviously you're, you know, those, those companies have, uh, you know, have their own financial trouble troubles, but, um, you know, there's enough money in the system that it can sort of move around and, and they can make sort of decisions. But, you know, if your existence is on the line, uh, you take every uh, advantage you can get. So uh, even if you if you see Rawls and I, I guess it was in some interview, like it might have been CNBC or something like that. Just just listening to him talk, it, it even sounds like sour grapes. You know, he's just <laughs> trying to find a way to to criticize it. Though um, so I'll I'll say, um, you know, some of what I've heard people talking about the standard, and again, we've we've gone on a tangent about it. Um, that the, the Tesla connector is more robust and, and that sort of thing. I'm not sure that it necessarily is. Um, you know, Tesla actively maintains the supercharger. So those, those are, you know, when one is down, it's, you know, seems to be fixed relatively quickly. If you look at the destination chargers at hotels um, and basically, you know, those are the same as the units that they'll sell at home. Uh, to people, uh, you know, to use at home and a hotel would just sort of put them up on pedestals, you know, outside. And it's a, uh, a perk to get people to stay there. Uh, but they do not maintain those very well. And I've seen horror shows there in terms of uh, 
the connectors and and uh, and what they look like. Uh, it's just a, it's just no good, really. Uh, and you know, if you think about how the connector is, it's plastic. You know, I think it could break if you drop it hard enough or someone runs over it. Um, and then the the button that is on that where you, where you press with your thumb, that's on flexible plastic. You know, that's um, that's going to have a lifetime. Uh, and so I've seen connectors where the whole top is gone and you sort of see electronics underneath. I've seen connectors where the whole front is ripped off and you just have these bare, uh, you know, connections like without the the plastic housing. Uh, doesn't look great. Uh, so yep. anyway, uh, you know, and I still think it's a better standard uh, and it, it could be made probably with harder plastics and get rid of that flexi button. Uh, it's not really needed anyway. Um, you know, so I, I'd be interested, especially if the standards opening up uh, as third parties make their own sort of uh, charging systems with Tesla connectors, if they'll try to make them more robust or, or we'll, we'll see how it actually pans out, I guess. Yeah, I think those ones are great for the house in your garage, but just not that good for destination charging because they're just being manhandled by everybody. Um, but Doc, you made a good point, right? Lucid on the one end, low volume kind of luxury, even more expensive than the Plaid, actually double the price at this point. And then Tesla has super high volume, great looking cars, definitely very competitive to someone who's shopping for an electric vehicle, right? They might not want that extra luxury that the Lucid may have or that a Mercedes EQS may have. And it seems the Model 3 is going to get even more attractive, right? So we saw some rumors about the refresh um, Doug, Lewis, what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, <laughs> what, what were those rumors? Um, so we, we've seen, and we've talked about it on the show a couple times about the Highland update. Uh, we've seen some styling things in terms of the, how it looks in the front. Uh, we've also seen, uh, like maybe some different, like different lights in the front. We've seen the interior, which it looks like it's adopted the, the changes that the SNX have had in terms of, um, losing the stalks. The, the steering stalks and, and the <clears throat> capacitive buttons uh, on the steering wheel. Um, but, uh, you know, we had, we had, <laughs> we've gotten some uh, rumors, I guess. So from Tesla scope on Twitter and, you know, I'll say they're rumors because the, the, you know, the things they mentioned, some are, you know, relatively realistic, like RGB lighting, the hardware four, and we've already seen hardware four, cameras on other vehicles, you know, sort of with the, uh, the Sapphire, the red sort of, uh, lenses. Um, and we've seen, uh, some nice things too, like, uh, that the, the images from the cameras look more human consumable, you know, like the, the colors are, are proper, proper RGB. Um, but that, you know, also included in, in these rumors is, uh, that the steer by wire, um, and we should say that, uh, Tesla put a patent recently for uh, steer by wire instead of, um, you know, standard steering. And I simply don't believe that that is coming anytime soon just because of regulation. Um, I mean, if you're not the only one. Yeah. If Tesla can't even, you know, Tesla's wanted to replace the side view mirrors with cameras. uh, And, uh, you know, your steering is such a larger safety concerned than the cameras. Uh, I mean, than the, the, the mirrors, uh, then I just, uh, <laughs> I don't see it happening anytime soon. Uh, that needs to be tested and, and everything. So. And Doug, I, I asked you this earlier, but you know, when 
Porsche and some other manufacturers initially went from hydraulic to electric steering. I falsely assumed that that actually was steering by wire, um, but you explained it pretty well. Maybe to folks who are listening and don't know all the differences, could you maybe explain electric versus steer by wire? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, this has been a general trend with uh, vehicles over the last couple of decades that things that used to be a pump that ran off the uh, the engine uh, they just get replaced by an electric motor. Um, so, um, your power steering used to be, you had power steering fluid that you had to, you know, make sure it was topped off and it's a hydraulic system. And so when you turn the wheel of your car, there's a hydraulic assist that helps you turn the wheels. And you know, if anyone who's driven an old manual transmission that doesn't have power steering, you know, it really makes a difference when you're trying to park, when you're barely moving, you're trying to turn the wheel, you really have to have to muscle it. Um, and um, so, yeah, so power steering was sort of a, a luxury item at first, and now it's pretty much standard in any vehicle. And in recent years, it's no longer hydraulic. You're no longer worrying about power steering fluid. There's a separate motor that's giving you a power assist when you turn the wheel. There's a motor that's helping you turn uh, Turn, as you turn the steering wheel, it's helping you turn the uh, the front wheels of the car. Um, so, but that's still, that car still has a, uh, there's a steering column that comes directly from the steering wheel all the way to typically a rack and pinion system that you have a, a uh, pinion and you have a rack. So it's like a gear that goes into a linear teeth and that moves the, the wheels, uh, you know, left and right as you turn the steering wheel. Um, and that is a major, uh, safety issue. You need to always be able to steer the car. You could have the car, the engine die. Um, and I've, I've had experience where, you know, I'm driving a manual transmission and the, and the car stalled and I still needed to steer. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, so you have to like really manhandle it to steer, but you can still steer. You're still able to steer, uh, because you have a physical connection between the steering wheel and the tires. Um, in a steer by wire system, uh, you have a steering wheel, but that, that steering wheel might as well be your you know, PS3 controller when you're playing, uh, you know, like uh, Gran Turismo or something, right? You're you're sending a signal when you turn the wheel. There's some uh, electrical or coded digital signal that then goes to a computer that then tells this uh, that probably very similar motor to turn turn the the, the front wheels. Um, and so that's a major safety concern. If if that died. Uh, you know, what would you do? Uh, how would you bear to steer? So <laughs> braking and steering is, is always important uh, in a car, assuming that everything dies, you need to still be able to do those things to, uh, to safely make it to where you're trying to go or to avoid an accident or whatever. Makes sense. So does that mean they have to put force feedback in like an old Logitech PlayStation yeah. from the nineties? Yeah, they'd have to, otherwise it would feel really dead. Uh, yeah, they yeah, they definitely would. But that opens up so many things if they could do that, though, right? Uh, we already talked about uh, in previous weeks how uh, Tesla isn't doing uh, right-hand drive model S and Xs in the in those in those countries that have right-hand drive, like the UK and uh, and Ireland and um, uh, Australia, for example. Um, but they still sell plenty of Model Ys and Model Threes in those locations. Uh, if you could have steer by wire, having your right 
versus left hand drive would uh, be a pretty simple thing to swap. You're, it's like it's like hand a controller to the guy to your right or whatever, and and uh, it would be that simple. So it really allow them to lose a bunch of parts, uh, heavy parts too. Uh, might even be a, a safety thing because you know in crashes often you have the steering column is right in front of the driver and that's something mm -hmm. you, uh, you slam into, which is why that's a normal place to put the airbag. But you could have the airbag, you know, just on the on the dash, and and not have this hard thing that's closer to people to slam into. Um, yeah, it'd be great if they can do it, but it would. And I haven't seen the patent, and I assume since these kind of things have exist existed on you know kind of experimental vehicles for a while, um, I assume the patent has to do with how to do this safely, and you know, as, uh, you know, we we're chatting earlier, and as Lewis suggested, it would have to have its own power supply. It would also have to have some redundancy going on if, if one part of the system fails, it needs to have something else. And so, so it, and it, what's interesting is I did find the patent. I was looking okay. at it some, um, the, uh, they do have force feedback actuators, right? So all that, all that kind of stuff is in there, um, in the, in their diagrams. Um, there's actual, uh, multiple actuators for feedback. Um, they do have a power supply. Um, they have a, uh, it looks like it's a 30 amp power, something like that. It says power 30 a. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's supposed to be amperage or that's referencing something else. Um, might just be a, a number for the, you know, diagram, but, um, they do have a power, uh, their own power supply. Um, in fact, there's two power supplies. Um, that so there sense. is redundant power supplies. <laughs> um, they have multiple can connections. Um, and yeah, so there, there's definitely redundancy in the system. Um, and I, and I imagine, you know, any kind of, um, any kind of, uh, microcontroller embedded system, it's not going to be like, it's running on like embedded windows or something, right? Like this is going to be a real time, you know, no OS or very, or real time OS based system with interrupts. It's going to be very, it's, it's going to be something that's optimized for safety critical systems, similar to like you'll have an aircraft. Um, but I don't see, you know, NHTSA approving this quickly right so like they've been working on it for a while you know i think the original news of this coming out was you know maybe two years ago or something that they were going to work on it elon said something about like they'd like to get there um and there was more updates on it last year i think like fall, last fall november time frame there were people talking about it again of like oh they're they're working on this they had like a team i guess in the austin area possibly they hired mm. for to try to work on this um but i mean yeah they they're working on it for sure they definitely want to do it where it came from people saying like, Oh, it's going to be in project Highland. Yeah. Don't like, believe it. I don't believe it. it. It's possible. I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's very unlikely. Yeah. And, um, and the main, the main motivation is obviously for the robo taxi, right? If you have a robo taxi and the, and the person in that driver's seat doesn't need to drive, you could uh, have the, um, like the, the wheel could like flip up or just, uh, you know, absorb into the dash and just go away. And I mean, that was part of the speculation about going to a yoke, you know, it's this narrower thing that could just kind of, you know, melt into the dash and, uh, and then it just goes away when you don't need it. Uh, that's part of the reason getting rid of the stalks and, and, you know, the only reason we have, a uh, the wheel back as default is because enough people were annoyed with the yoke. And as I've said in the past, Elon lives in the future, you know, so he, he'll do these things, make these changes now in preparation for something that, you know, in his head is 
two weeks from now, but you know, it was really maybe, I don't know, <laughs> two years or more from now. So true. Yeah. yeah. Mostly seems like a research project, right? Some R and D future proofing robo taxis are going to be here at some point. Right. Um, I think we do have a little more substantial updates and evidence about the AI right work that well, Tesla is doing. Let me, uh, real quick, let me answer this question since it's still on this topic. Uh, Mike, I asked you that earlier, right? Oh, you did. You did. Yeah. Mike asks, uh, don't airplanes use fly-by-wire? Uh, yes, uh, most modern airplanes do. But, you know, you can you still have some airplanes that, um, you know, fly by cable, basically. You know, you turn, you pull the stick and that uh, pulls a cable that is fed through a bunch of tubes or, or whatever to, to whatever um, uh, aerodynamic surface needs to be adjusted. Uh, fly-by-wire probably first came with fighter planes where, you know, the force needed to be able to, you know, adjust that, just that surface. And you're going so fast that it wants to be pushed back down. You needed some electrical assistance to do that. And, and, and you also have very complicated systems. Now most, uh, most modern aircraft practically fly themselves, uh, cause they're aerodynamically unstable. Uh, so a person without the computers couldn't just fly it. Um, hmm. so all the, you have a bunch of adjustments that will happen that uh, that the pilot isn't even doing. Um, so yeah, most modern aircraft are are fly by uh, wire. Certainly, any modern uh, airliner. But you'll still have there's still older crafts flying, stunt crafts. Uh, you know, little biplanes to do stuff. And a lot of those will still be still be uh, cable. You know that 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 was fly by wire because of the wire that's running to the <laughs> to the actual surface that you need to move around. So. Well, and, not to go on a, sorry, go ahead. Lewis. I was, I was just going to say the thing to keep in mind though, is it's in an aircraft, it's somewhat easier, I would say to do um, in the sense that uh, one, they're way more expensive. So they can put a lot more money into testing and safety and hardware and all the other stuff involved in the software development. But also uh, most of the time when flying a plane, it's not that critical that you're super, focused on having like fine tuned control, right? Like as Doug said, most of the planes are flying themselves, but like the plane isn't, you know, a few feet away from somebody else or something else. You're not, you're not turning as much all the time, right? There's critical points of landing and takeoff where you need to have good control. But like, if something goes wrong with a computer or file, you know, other systems or checks, they can reboot, they can do things in the process of you flying the plane. Um, you know, they, the pilots have, you know, breaker panels and switches where they'll restart things or do stuff like that. Um, in your car, you don't really want that to happen when you're, <laughs> when you're making a turn on the highway, right? Like <clears throat> you're much more likely to have a problem if it fails, there's way more time for it to, you know, where you don't have as much time to re remedy your problem. I should say, I would, so I, I, would, I would just say, I would also add that it's in many aircraft, it's actually just a necessity. I mean, Right. You're here and you're like, I don't know, <laughs> hundred yards from the control surface, uh, you know, and that, right. and that cable, whatever cable is going to have enough, uh, slip that you're going to have good control. So, uh, you know, by necessity, like a modern airline or whatever, a lot of those controls need to be controlled by, by wire, obviously. Yeah. It's true. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I did want to ask you guys about the, the next topic, which is the update on, Tesla AI, it now has its own Twitter account. And I think there's some substantial dojo updates that you were telling us about Lewis, right? There's definitely some dojo news. Um, there's, I mean, 
first, I'll just say that it's interesting that uh, Tesla now, um, I guess, as part of Elon, you know, purchasing Twitter, uh, he's having more Twitter accounts inside Tesla. Um, so the Tesla AI team has their own Twitter account now, um, where they are posting and publishing uh, news directly about their stuff. Um, part of this is to, you know, recruit. They're definitely constantly bringing up like, hey, we're hiring, right? Um, join the team. See, there, there's, if you're watching on the screen, there's an example there. Um, so it is interesting. We do have a, a source of information directly from the team. A lot of stuff on them working on Dojo, going to conferences, those types of things. And they talk um, about Optimus a lot, which, uh, you know, Optimus to me is mainly a, a recruiting tool, right? A recruiting tool, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Optimus is certainly, you know, featured on there. Um and uh, there's, you know, there's cool videos. There's cool examples of, you know, some of the software they're developing um, with the AI. Uh, you know, as far as how meaningful or practical most of this stuff is, probably not, right? Like, it's just, it, it's just cool. We get to see a little tidbit here and there. Does it give us any real insight into how close they are to, you know, full self-driving, truly working, you know, being level fours? Like, no, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not, it's not giving us any real detail there. Um, you know, uh, the, the most interesting thing I saw on the feed so far was about Dojo. Um, they basically have a chart um, where they're basically talking about how they're going to be, you know, it's, the, the title of the chart is trained on extremely large compute and they have a timeline. It's kind of like their roadmap of their compute. Um, and basically um, on one axis, you have, you know, the a number of GPUs. So they, they, they convert it into a, a unit they call the A100 GPU. A100s are kind of a standard GPU used for machine learning. Um, it's the type of GPU that like, uh, you know, a chat GPT would have been trained on and other types of, you know, common. Um, if, you, if you buy video card compute engine in the cloud, uh, you'll frequently, you know, you'll be thinking in A100 GPUs. Anyway, so they have the number of A100 GPUs, and then they have over time and where they are. Um, and basically, the information that came out of it is it says essentially next month, so July in 2023, uh, it says start of Dojo production. Um, so, you know, we've talked about Dojo in the past. Uh, I think what this means, and again, we're interpreting it, so we don't know explicitly what this means. But I think what this means is the start of using Dojo in production and not the start of producing Dojo. Um, although this chart does kind of look like a yield curve over time of like manufacturing chips and how many chips they would get. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think what it is, is they have a certain size of Dojo created. They've done experiments. They've been playing with it. And Dojo, again, for those that aren't in the know, this is that that big supercomputer cluster they're building to do all their training for their models for full self-driving. Um, and so basically, I think they're going to start using it in production next month is the plan. Um, and then they show this curve. It's, you know, it's super linear. Uh, it's almost verging on looking like they're going to try to be exponential, which is essentially impossible. So that's not going to be <laughs> truly exponential. Um <laughs> But uh, it basically where you're seeing it go up um, on to the right as time goes on. And, and they're essentially planning on by October 2024, they're saying they're going to hit 100 exaflops, um, which is just a, you know, it's a floating point operations per second. It's just a, it's just a way to measure um, how, quote unquote, powerful their supercomputer cluster is. Now, 
you know, um, and, and to give it in numbers of like A100s, that would be about 300,000 A100s. Right now, where they're at is more in like the, you know, maybe 10,000 A100 range, you know, 5,000 A100 range. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're expecting to have a lot more compute and power. Um, and, you know, they claim they'll be, they're going to projecting themselves by, you know, early 2024 to be in the top five uh, supercomputer performance uh, clusters in the world. So, like, basically, they'll be in the top five power of flops uh, per, for compared to all the other supercomputers. Now that's a big stretch. You know, there's other computers there's, they're going to be upgraded. More things are going to come out. This is a projection. So that may not hold true. Um, and also there's a big question on if they'll be able to maintain it, hit this rate of getting chips online, getting, you know, building out their cluster. Um, there's lots of challenges in building these things. Um, you can have failures, you can have, you know, manufacturing defects, uh, in the chips, right. They might discover a flaw or, you know, their yields might be hard to hit. Um, I believe yeah, TSMC is making their chips for them. They might not be able to make the chips fast enough. There could be a shortage. There could, and there's a million variables. But anyway, it's cool to see Tesla's plan. Um, and it is an impressive amount of compute. It is interesting to see what they're targeting. Um, it's definitely ambitious, but Tesla always is, uh, especially specifically Elon. <laughs> I guess just to clarify, like Exa, that that's the SI yeah. prefix for 10 to the 18, right? So yeah, that's, 10 to uh, 18. So, so very big number, lots of zeros, 18 zeros. Well, just so, I mean, people can think about mega and giga, right? Giga is like a million something, right? Then Terra is a, a uh, yep. I'm sorry, giga is a billion something, Terra is a trillion right. something. So then you have PETA, then EXA. So EXA is, is like a million Terra. So if you have like a two terabyte drive, you know, and on AWS, I have an exabyte drive or whatever. That's a, a million terabytes, right? Right. So, in terms of uh, in terms of what, how do I compare that to uh, something more down to earth? Like, if I have a if I have a RT, RTX GPU, like or whatever, <laughs> like how many how many uh, you know teraflops? I or mean, whatever so flops. it'll definitely play crisis if that's what you're asking. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> sorry, that's an old uh, old video card joke. That's uh, the it. 20, you know, in keeping old. keeping in mind, it's basically they're going to have the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of video cards doing mm -hmm. be able to do machine learning or the the performance of those. Um, now, what does that mean? I mean, uh, could they? You know, are, are they going to use all three hundred thousand to train the FSD model? No, that's not how that that's not how things work um, with machine learning. Um, they're usually what they're doing is they have these problems and they break these problems up into small pieces and they kind of run them in parallel. Mm -hmm. um, and then they also do lots of different versions of them. So they, they do generally, they call them experiments. Um, it is, you know, under the, the, uh, the name of data science. Um, so they try to pretend they're uh, doing actual science yeah. <laughs> by saying they run experiments. Um but uh, in, in they so basically what what it'll allow them to do is they'll be able to try many different things. They'll do, be able to train lots of different models, have multiple teams even working in parallel um, to where uh, those back in the day, you know, they used to do things like, uh, you know, you'd have to share compute time, right? If you mm -hmm. ever worked in a mainframes world or, you know, in, in a performance computing world, as I'm sure Doug probably uh, ran into with physics. Mm -hmm. Um, as I have myself, <laughs> although also the physics background, you have a problem and you go, Hey, I want to run this. I want to figure this out. It's going to take, you know, X hours or days or whatever of computer time. Well, I'm not allowed to use the computer. Somebody else is using it. So I got to wait. 
Um, so you submit your thing and eventually you get to use mm-hmm. it. This amount of performance, this amount of thing, basically you're not going to have people sitting around waiting, right? You're going to have teams of engineers able to do a lot of experiments in parallel and so, try a lot of things. So essentially um, they have their own, you know, uh, high compute cluster. Uh, there's been some, I guess this, this info basically came out at AI day. Did they say where they're going to house this thing? Is it going to be in Palo Alto or? Um, um, that's a good question. I actually don't know where it's being housed specifically. Uh, there's a new probably... space in Palo Alto that used to be HP. Uh, and, uh, I drove by there once and there was hardly anybody there after they did that, uh, official <laughs> opening. Um, yeah. If I had to guess, that's probably where it'll be, but I don't know that, uh, definitively. Um, and yeah, and to give uh, some numbers, so thanks to Abby pulled up, you know, so like if you were to look at anyone that's familiar with video cards, you know, like a GeForce RTX 4090, that's kind of like one of the creme de la creme high-end gaming video cards right now. They're they're what, they're like 1600 bucks, 2000 bucks, something in that ballpark is how much. That video card um, does uh, 83 teraflops. Right, um, so we're talking about a million times that. A million times that. Um, so yeah, so it'd be like having a million of those. But the other thing to keep in mind, the, the important thing uh, compared to like a normal desktop GPU um, versus something like what Dojo's doing is they're able to be way more scalable. Obviously, you can't just plug in a million RTX 4090s. That's not going to work. Um, but it also, even if you could, it would be incredibly inefficient. You're going to waste a ton of power. You're going to generate a ton of heat. It's going to fail. It's going to be you know problematic. They've designed their system to be very dynamically scalable, power efficient, um, heat efficient, which directly plays into power um, and memory. Memory is a huge factor. So um, for those of you that, you know, familiar with things like chat GPT and stuff like that, what people don't realize is to train those things, you need a lot of memory, a lot of RAM, specifically video RAM on your cards to make it not be terrible. Um, so uh, that's one of those big things of they're going to have a lot of memory bandwidth and a lot of RAM available to the system. So they'll be able to process more video in parallel and do more training um, in parallel. Uh, now, you know what, again, what does all this mean? Really, all it really means is, hey, they're going to have a lot of capability, a lot of powerful tool in their disposal. You know, they'll have, they'll have a lot of, um, yeah, just really powerful machines to do the work that they kind of want to do. Does that mean that they're going to, boom, we're going to have FSD, you know, uh, the end of this year or something? Um, you know, we're going to be level five next year. Like, no, um, the, the, it's not just the tool. I mean, that's one of the requirements. So this in, is a huge enabler. It's also how you use it. <laughs> Um, so you can use it effectively or, or not. Um, and it's also going to be on, you know, what other roadblocks or things they run into, right? It's at the end of the day, as most of us, you know, Elon has said, you know, it's really a software problem, right? He kind of looks at it as you know, it's a software problem. Um, it's mostly a software problem. There's hardware problems too, power and efficiency. There's, you know, the car is limited power. This camera is only can see so much, all those types of things. There are hardware limitations, but if we could magically like wave a wand and have the perfect software of like how you could do it, it's very possible the hardware today could do it. Um, and so the question is, will they be able to develop that software with this system? Maybe <laughs> no one really knows. Um, but anyway, so it, it's still impressive to see. Well, that's now, a good point. Uh, Lewis, too. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. That's I was going right, to say sorry. that's a, that's a that's a good point you made, Lewis, because earlier you mentioned, and Mike actually put a question in the chat. He was asking, what is this being trained on? Like, what's being used to train this? 
And the point you made earlier was that even though Google has more resources than the developers of ChatGPT, BART was inferior, right? So what is this being trained on? And yeah, right, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's easy when it comes to machine learning and AI, right? There's there's a few metrics out there that people like to think of, of like how many video cards did it train on, right? Like people throw those things around. Oh, we use 10,000 A100s. Oh, we use 20,000 A100s. It's like, okay, that's really a function of time. You could do it with one A100. It might just take you, you know, a hundred years um, around the clock. Um, so the more video cards means you can do something faster. And then there's things like parameters. How many hyper parameters does the model have? And, you know, when you look at things like, you know, ChatGPT and the architecture, like ChatGPT was built on transformers. Did, did OpenAI, the company behind you, did they develop transformers? No, Google did. So yeah. Google developed transformers first. They were the actual like mechanism that they use primarily came out of Google. Okay. Did they, did they have more GPUs and more compute? No, Google does. Google has way more money than open AI, right? Like they had all that thing, but open AI found a way to use it more effectively. They found a way to do something more interesting with it. Um, and then, and, and they even had fewer parameters, right? Uh, uh, the, um, What's it called? Lamb or Palm? Sorry, Palm had more hyperparameters than um, than ChatGPT or than I should say GPT four did. Uh, yet GPT four was outperforming them by a lot. Now again, Google's learned from that and has caught up. Bard is doing much better today than it used to. Um, but it's again, it's how you use it. It's not just a oh, I have more, I win. Uh, somebody else could come along with a lot less and do better. Um, if you think about it, you know the human brain uses way less power than your desktop computer, let alone, um, you know, a supercomputer cluster, you know, these supercomputer clusters basically need a power plant to run them. So, you know, there's a whole orders of magnitude of efficiency of how much energy does it take to do it and how efficient are you? And we're just trying to get it to work. You know, Tesla's trying to just make it work at this point. Once they do, we'll, hopefully come up with ways to make it more efficient and better. Um, but who knows? We may still be 10 years out before this sees any fruit. Now, um, so Tesla, assuming they build everything that they plan to, they're going to have uh, quite a lot of compute, um, you know, available. Uh, I assume they build it, assuming they're going to use all of it. But uh, there has been some talk if they have, you know, extra compute that could sort of sell it like an AWS kind of thing. Is that, yes. is that likely at all? I, I, I honestly think so. <laughs> um, when, when you look at these projections and things, um, so one Tesla is always looking for ways to increase their market cap as, as most public companies are, but I would say Elon and Tesla, they, they leverage this uh, capability a lot more. Um, and how do you do that? You do that with perception. You do that with, actually making money, right? Like selling goods um, and having a product line or another product line where you can go, oh, it's real low cost for us and we can make a lot of high ROI, right? Like AWS is one of the most valuable assets that Amazon has. Amazon's mm -hmm. one of the other most valuable companies in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so if you if Tesla turns around and goes, oh, by the way, we have this amazing supercomputer cluster that's better than anybody else. And you can, you know, you can train your chat GPT competitor on our stuff. Guess what? Companies will line up to pay money and Tesla's stock price will shoot up. 
It's um, pretty, it seems like pretty specialized hardware though. Um, and then you, if you have customers now you have to provide them with some kind of, uh, some kind of interface and then maybe even a framework, like a software framework sure. from which they so, need to work. So they have that internally. So keep in mind, um, their Tesla's internal developers are using some standard open source libraries out there. You know, they're using things like PyTorch and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what we got to see in the AI day type presentations is Google and or Google, sorry, Tesla in-house, they are working on compilers and tooling and things where basically they're able to take, you know, tensor-based models that are developed in something like PyTorch and run it on their architecture by using like specialized compilers and transpilers mm -hmm. and things like that. So it, I kind of view it similar to like Google. They have their TPU, which is their mm -hmm. specialized machine learning hardware. I think Tesla, it, they're also developing those software tools. And yeah, it's, it, is it a question? Can they just like push a button and other people can use it? Okay. It's not that easy. Maybe they maybe have to write better documentation. They maybe have to, you know, provide some additional support, but I mm -hmm. do see it as a possible future where they go, yeah, we've got this awesome hardware platform. We've got the software tooling. You write your models in this way and maybe it won't be good for everything. Right. However, neural nets and anything that's using transformers and certainly anything that's doing video processing can probably map pretty effectively um, to their platform. So that's a lot. That's a big problem space. There's a big domain. Lots of things can map to that. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, AWS is almost an accident, right? Uh, mm -hmm. They had uh, all this extra capacity to sell products on Amazon over Christmas. And then most of the year that that computes, you know, sat fallow and uh, I'm like, okay, let's, uh, let's start uh, time sharing. And that's a big business. I mean, we use it. Uh, TMC runs on it. Uh, so uh, insane margins. <laughs> yeah. So it, it'd be, it'd be interesting if uh, Tesla got to the point where they're building compute building clusters for, you know, for the public or whatever, as opposed to, you know, beyond what they use themselves. I mean, who would happens. have thought that they were designed their own chips even, right? Like mm -hmm. if you think about it, you know, Ford isn't designing chips, right? No. Like you've got Volkswagen isn't designing chips, you know, Tesla's designed their own chips. They have TSMC. They're one of their biggest customers. I think at this point have asking, mm -hmm. you know, tons of high volume, lots of chips, bleeding edge technology being developed. So Tesla's not afraid to get their hands dirty and move into these full vertical or even like parallel markets of, you know, power distribution and all the other stuff that they've done. Um, so it's definitely a possible uh, revenue generator. Cool. So was there anything else in this uh, Tesla AI Twitter that's worth mentioning? Uh, anything um, else of interest here? Not really. I mean, a few things were, they, you know, they, they talk about, you know, they show examples of like how they can leverage this stuff for both, uh, you know, Optimus bot versus the cars and some of their, you know, updated, you know, driving uh, models and pathfinding. But no, it's it's mostly just advertising for people. What I, I think there'll be uh, really cool and interesting stuff in the future. So I think we'll keep an eye on it. We'll want to watch this uh, this uh, handle for sure. Um, but yeah, at, at the moment, I think the dojo stuff was the biggest, most interesting news. Cool. Awesome, guys. Any other thoughts before we wrap it up for the day? Uh, let's just see. See if there are any questions that needed answering uh, here. Let's see. Electrified light vehicles. If FSD will, if FSD will be a level three, four, or five by the end of this year, uh, as per Elon's remarks on earning call, wouldn't Tesla apply for higher level autonomy for their models on the road? Uh, I would say, you know. 
they're what are they level two right now? Is that I mean the main thing is liability, right? Uh, why they they don't claim to be anything more than in a driver's assistance uh, system. Right? I think they claim to be like two point five, but that's because that doesn't Which mean isn't anything. Thing that doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at Elon's actions in the past and how Tesla is, what I would say is uh, Elon will claim that they are level three before by any legal definition of them being level three. Um, so yes, I agree with you. Tesla would have to apply for higher level autonomy for their stuff on the road. If they were going to actually do it by the end of this year, I think from Elon's position and this is probably, and again, I'm putting words in his mouth, but it's my, uh, you know, educated guess, but I kind of agree with this is if I was him, I'd consider it a win to say, yeah, we think we're level three, even if the regulatory body hasn't signed off on it yet, right? Like if you're like, yeah, the paperwork's being done, we won't officially be level three until mid next year. But if you're looking at it going, the tech is there, I think they'd count that he would count that as a win and not saying he missed the deadline of his, you know, by the end of the year. Um, I'm not seeing that happening currently. Uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, FSD 1144 has come out. And as all FSD versions, it's some things might be better. Some things might be worse. I haven't driven with it much yet myself, but I still think we're pretty far away from saying we're level three. Yeah, um, I, I, I got it also and I haven't really used it yet. Um, and I haven't. There are a couple of tricky situations like uh, turning left across a lot of traffic. And uh, I'm, I'm not ready to trust it uh, mainly because I'm just. I'm just trying to get where I'm trying to go as opposed to uh, run it through some uh, testing regime, you know, so I'm not, I'm not willing to, to risk and, and wait just quite yet, particularly if but I have Doug, uh, you're a content awesome. creator. Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, same, same guy asked uh, another question uh, earlier that uh, when we we're talking about the drive by wire, uh, electrified light vehicles said, uh, being frank, most new drivers won't be able to learn driving adequate adequately with steer by wire. I, you know, I don't know that that's true. Uh, certainly when I'm pl playing a video game, it's not that great, mainly because I don't have the, uh, the G forces of turning, but, uh, you know, you, if you are pretty good about putting in force feedback, I, you know, I don't know how good it would be. It's certainly, you know, driving feel, that's a big, uh, thing in cars, right? Particularly with a sports car, you know, you want to feel what's in the road. So the force feedback is really important. But the reason you have force feedback is because there's something pushing the wheels as you're trying to drive. And if they have some transducers and things, uh, you know, measuring that kind of stuff, you could, you know, you could bring that back into the wheel and it would be at the speed of light. So, uh, you know, it, it should be, uh, it, it, it could be done. So I, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. Um, yeah. You don't want the steering to feel dead. That would be sad. Right. Would anybody have any other opinions on that? I mean, to be fair, though, he's not wrong. In the early systems, they were terrible, right? So, like, yeah, definitely, you're spot on with early examples of these types of systems. They're awful because they don't give you the feedback. In their patent, they do mention multiple things for feedback. The question is, how good does that operate? And I and I agree with Doug. Like, I'm I guess I'm a believer in you know the matrix of if you can fully simulate it and fake it, then you person won't be able to tell the difference. Um, so. Well, also in the spirit of the question, I think by the time this is mature, I don't know if people are still learning how to drive, you know, like <laughs> going 50 years into the future. That's fair, Seb. 
And uh, I know if, if things actually go the way they expect, uh, you know, maybe they won't even need to learn how to drive. Uh, Steve Jervison gave a talk at our 2014 event. That was almost 10 years ago, which is scary now. Uh, and pro- he did a great talk. Uh, and part of it was talking about uh, they didn't call it FSD back then. They just called it self-driving. <laughs> they didn't have to add full self-driving. They have to. They didn't have to intensify it. <laughs> well, that's real, why they have to this call time. this full because that one yeah. was called self-driving and it didn't. That was just called autopilot <laughs> or self-driving. But he had a, a kid at the time and, you know, the way predictions were at that time, he was thinking this kid wouldn't even need to learn how to drive uh, necessarily. Now, it's funny because that kid ended up going to Stanford and uh, and I remember seeing him at like some activity fair and uh so yeah, that didn't happen. So <laughs> a, a good number of years passed and uh, I'm sure that kid had to learn how to drive. But uh, I mean, if things go to where they want and the, and the main reason that Elon is even having a drive by wire is that, you know, maybe robo taxis will come along and maybe, maybe kids don't, don't, uh, don't necessarily need to learn how to drive. I mean, uh, any cool kid will learn how to drive, but you know, <laughs> maybe they won't need to. All righty. Well, we'll make sure to keep you guys updated on any future versions of FSD, obviously, any updates on Tesla AI. Um, so I'd say that's a wrap. Thanks to our producers, Adam and Danny. And uh, thank you all for joining. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and YouTube. And if you want to support the show, please consider becoming a supporting member. And you can, of course, join us on the Tesla Motors website. So with that, it was good seeing you guys.